Jonathan Matthews, episode five now. We're five episodes in so far. As always, Joe Stafford, Chris Matthews, former Seahawk and Raven. Chris, what's going on, my man? Happy birthday, by the way. If you guys didn't know, Chris and Matthews turned, what'd you turn, 29? 30? <laughs> 31, man. 31. 31. How's it feel? You feel old yet? Though, man. I appreciate it. It's, it, was, um, it was definitely um, a good one, you know got to sit back and reflect on how life is you know life has been going for me and uh you know it's been pretty good so I, I don't have any complaints i was about to say you know you know what's a fun fact today uh i forgot about a paper i was supposed to write for one of my classes today i wrote a paper about you chris for a three-page paper in 20 minutes about you yeah it was, it was pretty yeah, funny yeah I, I wrote about from going from long beach to to kentucky and, and the whole you know getting cut and resigned everything going to winnipeg then coming back in the league and then you know balling out in 49 i actually made a good piece my, my teacher was like wow you put a lot of time and effort in. i'm like yeah i did yeah sure i was like yeah did a lot of research on this guy never met him in my life before yeah was like, well, that was cool bail me out on that one so thank I you for that it. i loved it I there we go it, so we had a great week four in football here, but a very concerning one, especially considering the coronavirus pandemic. The Tennessee yeah. Titans now have 22 cases in their locker room. The Patriots, Cam Newton was out Sunday. Stephon Gilmore played the game Sunday and is actually now COVID positive. So what are your thoughts on the NFL's handling of the coronavirus pandemic so far? And where do you see them going from here? Well, I feel like they went, they, they digressed a little bit in trying to make sure everything was okay and, and keeping people clean and, you know, tested uh, and all the test negatives because they're starting to let more and more people into the, into the stadiums. At first, you could see like one or two people. Now it's like almost the, half the stadium is halfway full. They're just trying to spread them out just to, you know, but we all know what that's about. It's trying to get the ticket sales going back up in, you know, and the owners just don't. Honestly, like, you know, they've proven before that they don't care about our safety. They just want the money. I agree with you 100%. And if you look at Miami even today, I think 30 minutes ago announced that they're allowing their full capacity stadium. The Miami Dolphins were playing with a full home crowd in the next couple of weeks no here. Sense. It, makes it makes no, no sense, sense to me. And it's kind of just – it's a wild transition from where we started. At the beginning of the season, no fans will be allowed at all, right? And now mm -hmm. we're seeing – full actual NFL stadiums being filled with the home crowd, especially in Florida. It's like, what the hell are we doing, guys? I mean, we're in the middle of a goddamn pandemic. Yeah, and, don't, don't quote me on this, but I think Florida had opened up, reopened a lot of their, a lot of areas over there. So I think that's a part of the reason why they're allowing people to start going into the stadium. And I really don't think Florida gives a fuck either. Let's be honest here. Florida does <laughs> not care. Do. They never they do. Never that's do. why they stay down there and they keep the hurricanes coming. You know, they're like, yeah, just keep bringing them on. I'm like, you know, that's you guys. You can have it. It's psychotic, though. Like, like they just like have just like, I don't care mentality about everything. Like, every, <laughs> every crazy storyline you read from any part of the country, it's always a Florida man does this. Florida man does that. Florida man does this. Exactly. It's exactly. like, what the hell is going on in Florida? Something under the water, I think. But <laughs> going back to football here, week four was a, you know, relatively good week of football here. The Jets and the Broncos started us off on Thursday. And disappointing game, I think, for, the, for Gang Green here. Sam Darnold got hurt. Crazy run at the beginning of the game, though. Sam Darnold had a time of his life on that run, made two guys miss in the end zone. That's like a Tom Brady wet dream right there. That was, that, was a really cool, that was a really cool run for Sam Darnold, but ultimately fell to the Denver Broncos, who are banged up, by the way. Interesting flex here as well. The Broncos and the Patriots face off next week, and the game was flexed to 425 to make sure everybody could see Cam Newton. Who yep. is he going to be playing on Sunday because of his coronavirus diagnosis? As we know so far, he could be cleared. He is asymptomatic. 
But the way I look at it is, this is going to be a shit show for the NFL. Stephon Gilmore is now out as well. And it's just not a good look. The Broncos are are banged up, obviously. Drew Locke's out. Cortland Sutton's out for the entire year. Melvin mm-hmm. Gordon's dealing with a, kind of a nagging injury. Philip Lindsay's still on IR. I mean, you're gonna, it's going to be the battle of the busted-ups over here on, on Sunday on Sunday at 425. It's like, what, are, what is the NFL doing right now? Absolutely, man. Like, I don't I, – I, and I honestly don't know. I, and, you know, it's hard to really, like, you know, speculate on, on certain things that they have going on because, you know, obviously I'm not playing anymore, so I, I'm not actually physically there getting the information. But – it's, it just looks like it's just a lot of uh, I trust you moments. Uh, and that's, you know, you can't always do that, especially in the times like this where, you know, it's a pandemic and we don't know. We don't know. You know, you can walk around here and have coronavirus and not have any symptoms shown at that present time. So it's like, you know, it's a catch 22. You know, that's that's how I feel about that. Yeah, no, it's not an easy situation by any stretch of the imagination here, but I think the NFL needs to do more to protect their players and protect the fans. The NFL shouldn't be allowing the Dolphins to have a full stadium, but I think it will be interesting to see their decision down the line now with cases rising pretty much throughout the entire country as winter starts to get going here because more people are inside. It's easier to catch it inside in a closed environment. So it's going to be a wild, wild ride as the NFL season continues to go down here. By taking a look at some of the docket here, the Ravens and the Washington football team was a blowout. No one really expected it to be any, any much of a game anyway. Lamar Jackson dominated 31-17. to 17. And an interesting storyline from that game, Dwayne Haskins, while he hasn't been impressive by any stretch of the word within his first two seasons, is now the third-string quarterback behind both Kyle Allen and Alex Smith. That's a pretty drastic change at the position, don't you think? Going from Absolutely. starter to third string within the span of three days, four days. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't understand it, you know, even though, you know, all, all respect goes out to uh, Alex Smith, you know, he's made an, a, an amazing recovery, you know, he's still, you know, trying to work his way in there, but you can just tell by how he walks, it just looks different, so I don't know, like, what is that, like, what does that mean when you do something like that, when you know that you're, 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 now to be backup quarterback is not still, it's still not healthy, but you still have your first round draft pick behind him. Like, I don't, what does that mean? <laughs> and the way I look at it is Ron Rivera is a very um, plain guy, I want to say. And the reason I say that is because today in practice, Dwayne Haskins did not take a single snap under center. Mm-hmm. He had Kyle Allen, Alex Smith, and their practice squad quarterback, who I don't even know the name of, take mm-hmm. snaps with the offense. And Dwayne Haskins just sat there in full uniform and full pads and doing nothing. That's a message. And that's a message saying here, look, we've given you the, as much patience as we can. You're a second-year starter now. What are you going to give us in the long run? Well, your chances isn't completely over yet. And even if he gets cut from the Redskins next year, I think he'll still get an opportunity somewhere else. Absolutely. But now we're getting into the kind of game-time decision here for Dwayne Haskins, whether or not he can actually belong in the NFL. This is a guy who threw 50 touchdown passes at Ohio State the year before he declared for the draft. He has talent. And I wonder if the Redskins organization is the reason why he's not utilizing it. Because as we all know, they're a very dysfunctional organization. Yes. But with Ron Rivera at the helm, who's a very stable-minded head coach, with a good run game going right now, with a defense with a lot of different pieces moving around, but still not as as bad as we all expected them to be, and Mm -hmm. a guy like Terry McLaurin, who's who's a safety valve for him, we should be seeing more from Dwayne Haskins that we're not yet. And this was a plain and clear message, at least from my view, that Ron Rivera is trying to convey to Haskins that says, hey, shape up quick or you're out the goddamn door. Absolutely. And I hope he shapes up really quick because 
it's lonely out on that road. You might get picked up somewhere else, but you're not going to get the same love from the people that drafted you. 100%. Next game on, on the schedule here was the Chargers and the Buccaneers, which was a great shootout. And I really didn't think anyone was expecting it to be as good of a game as it was. Justin Herbert held his own in a duel with mm-hmm. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr., who had five touchdown passes to five different receivers. Last week, I was on record as saying that Tom Brady is starting to develop OMS, which I've coined as old man syndrome. <laughs> and, and just like every single time beforehand, just like in 2014 when Matt Hasselbeck said it, a Massachusetts native, I might add, just like in 2016 when they said it, when he was suspended, just like when they said in 2017, 2018, as a Super Bowl loss, they say Tom Brady's washed, and then what does he do? The very next game, the very next season, or what you have you, he balls out. Five touchdowns, Absolutely. five different receivers without O.J. Howard and without Chris Godwin available to play for him. What did you see from Tom Brady in this game? I've seen that he's a floor, I mean, that he's a field general, much like how he's been his whole career. Um, like you said, he was throwing the ball. He was 30 for 46. That's, that's, that's pretty good. You have 369 yards out there throwing. Uh, but a lot of that has to be has to be contributed to Ronald Jones. Uh, he had an amazing day. He had 20 attempts for 111 yards. You know, you can't go wrong when you have that. So that means that means that, that safety, that strong safety, is coming down in that box, and you have one high safeties as man to man on the outsides or you know off off uh, off press. I mean off man. So you're utilizing a lot more space out there. And and you know we were both wrong. I'm gonna admit it here. I didn't believe that he can. Th- Throw the ball, but he threw the ball a couple times down the field. That was um, over 20 yards. So uh, that impressed me. Uh, I'm happy for him. I'm, I hope we see more of that uh, going on down the line. And I think we kind of can save ourselves here a little bit because after week one, we kind of talked about how they need more time to develop and they will eventually get it down offensively. And we were right about that. It took them a couple of weeks, Absolutely. but they're kind of starting to get the gears moving here. And without two of their top targets, and unfortunately, OJ Howard has now a torn Achilles, I believe. He's out for the rest mm-hmm. of the year. Uh, yeah. Godspeed and recovery for OJ Howard. But Absolutely. it's really impressive that, that what Tom Brady did with a, a slew of guys you've really, never really heard of before. Um, but the one thing I got to clear up here okay, what's with Tom Brady and small white slot receivers? Like, what is it? Yeah, you got Edelman, you got Amendola, now you got Scotty Miller. Who the hell is Scotty yeah. Miller? Like, are you kidding? Like, what is it with Tom Brady? I, like, I don't understand. Does he like using the undervalued guys, like trying to make them shine in the offense more? I don't get it. It seems to work for him. He has six Super Bowl rings. I'm not going to question it. It might be. It might be. You know, he was the last – he was a la- one of the last picks in the draft, so that's definitely impossible. You might have a little, a little uh, love for the guys that's coming up. I guess the little guy, yeah. But Justin Herbert, I do want to highlight and shout out here. My boy Benny Bands, I'm going to shout out as well because he's been in my ear yapping to me in my DMs about how Herbert's <laughs> better than Burrow and all that stuff. Well, mm-hmm. I think it's a good debate to have. Burrow's still better. But what a great day for the former Oregon quarterback. 20 of 25, 290 yards, three scores. An interception that cost him in the long run. But yeah. a great, great game from the rookie quarterback who took over Essentially, last minute for Tyrod Taylor a couple weeks ago, made a game with the Chiefs, won a game last week, in, or lost a game last week, but a great game against Carolina, and now is, is phenomenal in a losing effort against Tom Brady in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The future is bright in L.A. I really hope they can keep him around. Historically, you've seen L.A., especially the Chargers on that front, being hesitant mm-hmm. to pay out that big bucks because their owners 
uh, are typically stingier because the Chargers are their only, you know, income source. They don't get the crafts where they have multi-billion dollar businesses outside. Yeah. This is their livelihood. So they're very, very particular about what they give their money to. They just gave a huge extension to Joey Bosa. Will they keep Justin Herbert around? We have to wait for four years, but the future certainly looks bright for the LA Chargers. Going on, the next, yeah, going on the next game here, the Seahawks and the Dolphins. Miami actually gave them a game. Ryan Fitzpatrick broke out of that September narrative and actually crushed it the first week of October. Final score was 31 to 23. It's interesting. Miami's head coach, Brian Flores, went on record saying he wasn't sure who the starter would be coming next Sunday. Is it time for Tua Tagovailoa? I'm not sure that it is because it's not like Miami's competing anyway. But I think it would benefit Tua a little bit longer to stay on the bench, learn from a proven veteran guy like Fitzpatrick who actually leads the NFL in NFL history as being the only guy to start for eight different teams. He's a guy who's been around, knows a ton of different systems, a lot of valuable knowledge for Tua to soak up. I think it will benefit a guy, especially like him, who comes in more with injury concerns, comes in with mm-hmm. some, some questions about his ability to, to – grabs concepts of coverages in the game itself. I think it should, that he should be on the bench a little bit longer. That's just a personal thing for me. When do you think we'll see Tua Tagovailoa on the field for the Miami Dolphins? Honestly, I feel like it's going to happen a lot sooner than we think. Uh, it's week five. Usually this is around the time where you, you know, you bring in your, you let your, you let your young stars come in and, and show what they have. But, you know, honestly, Fitzpatrick, he's, you know, it's not he's not having the games that you would want a starting quarterback to have, but he's still being able to manage the game and and put the ball in the, you know, in some of the people's hands out here. Like Brita and 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 Parker, they were they were having the phenomenal games out there. So um and of course he did it on his feet. Again, another another guy who they considered old and washed up, but he's still running past people and getting first down. So uh, yeah, they need to let him let him let him soak up a little bit more too. And I'm, I'm speaking about Tua. Uh, let him soak up the game a little bit more. Let Fitzpatrick be able to, uh, you know, be a leader as he is on the football field. Because I, it looks like to me, even though it doesn't show on the scoreboards a lot of the time or in the stat books, but um, they believe in him still. So you you want to you want to ride that train until it you know until it's over with. Until the wheels fall off. I think you're right about that as well. Russell Wilson had a kind of a down game here. Miami's defense actually played phenomenally against Russell Wilson through the air at the very least. He went 24 for 34, 360 yards, two scores and a pick. Not the prototypical MVP performance we've come to, you know, expect from Wilson throughout the first four weeks of the season. But now he's up to 16 passing touchdowns through the first five weeks of the season. Very impressive still for the former Nebraska Husker. Going on the next game here, the Vikings and the Texans. The Vikings won 31 to 23, and this is the game that broke the camel's back. Bill O'Brien yeah. <laughs> has officially been fired as the head coach and general manager of the Houston Texans. Chris, is this long overdue? Because for me, it's long overdue. Yeah, you you would say that, and I would say that as well. You know, they they're having a tough time, especially when you're pay, when you when you when you know when you paid Deshaun Watson all this money, you expect a lot of things to go right for you. And, you know, that's just not the case. You know, he's out there still running. It looks like he's out there running for his life is uh, still, and, you know, they're not making, they're not completing on all passes. And, you know, by this time, week, week five coming around, you would think that you guys have some kind of chemistry going on right there. And it's, you know, still not showing only the only guy that, uh, you know, that's reaping from the, you know, is reaping the benefits from all of this is Will Fuller. 
Will Fuller is having a phenomenal a phenomenal game this uh, this past weekend. You know, hopefully he keeps it up, man, stays consistent. I agree with you 100% there. I just feel so bad for Deshaun Watson because he, first of all, beginning of the offseason, DeAndre Hopkins gets shipped off to Arizona. He loses his number one target. He's known for his entire career. Has to form a relationship with Brandon Cooks, a chemistry with Brandon Cooks, that he's never really played with before with no preseason and no training camp. You have Randall Cobb comes down, a friend of the show, Randall Cobb, who's a phenomenally talented player, but still needs to learn the system as well. David Johnson coming off injury of the past couple of years. And Will Fuller was injured to start the year. And Bill O'Brien, in no sense of the word, has set up Deshaun Watson for success. He's done the exact opposite. He has derailed Deshaun Watson. He has made him vulnerable to every defensive package they've laid out there. The offensive line still playing horribly. That's not you know, any fault of Bill O'Brien. But in the long yeah. run, it kind of is because he was the GM for the past two, three seasons. Bill O'Brien, good riddance in Houston, but they need to make a move here in the offseason to get Deshaun Watson some more protection and assure up that Absolutely. secondary. The secondary Absolutely. is a huge, huge concern for me, and that's the reason why they're 0-4 right now. That's, that's the end of the line. The Houston Texans are not an 0-4 football team per se. They have much more talent than that. They're a better team than that. So hopefully Way they can more. turn around um, towards the end of this year, or at the very least, the beginning of but this it's year. Hard. It's hard when you don't score any points in the first half as, as an offense. Like, I don't – that that probably was the camel's, you know, that broke the camel's back right there because that was definitely an eye-opener for me as well. 100%. I have a question for you. So you have Bill O'Brien who gets fired, but a guy like Adam Gase still has a job. <laughs> yeah. Like how, how is that possible, though? Because Adam Gase, I would argue, is a significantly worse head coach than Bill O'Brien, and that's saying something because Bill O'Brien no, has is. not been a competent head coach in the last year and a half. So how the hell does Adam Gase still have a job? Well, I, I just think that it's a lot of inner workings that we, you know, that we actually just don't know. You know, we're not privy to these to this information, but I'm pretty sure it's something that's going on behind the behind the curtains that we're not under. You know, that we don't know, and the players probably don't even know as well. Because I'm not, I'm pretty sure there's a couple people that's in there that's wondering why he's still here. He's got pictures of the owners or something. He's got some, some dirt on him or something. Has to have something. <laughs> and, and I'm about to say, so the Jets haven't fired him yet. Their GM's probably out the door after next season because Sam Darnold was an absolute flop. Le'Veon Bell's contract was a huge flop. This just gives more leeway to the Stafford and Matthews for 2020 Jets president and GM. That's all I'm going to say. That's literally all I'm going to say. Can we really do worse? Probably not. I don't I think we can do any worse. Do That's what I'm saying. We can do, do better. I think it's honestly like they've hit rock bottom, I think, two or three times over the past decade. We can avoid rock bottom. We, <laughs> we, can, we can go, we can go like, we can have a better record than that. We can go like five and 11 Absolutely. or something. We, we can pull something Absolutely. off. Anyway, getting back to reality here uh, the Saints and the Lions here. 35 29 was the final score. Uncle Matt kept it closer up the entire game, but the Saints offense just took off a little bit. Alvin Kamara is sneakily putting himself in the Offensive Player of the Year conversation in the NFC. Mm. And it's not even sneakily, because with the absence of Michael Thomas, they've had a kind of a tough time adjusting to what their offense would be. They weren't finding Emmanuel Sanders in the offense enough, and they lost the game because of it against Green Bay in the game before that as well. They're 2-2. Two and two. They're not a 2-2 two and two football team. They're a better team than that in general. Absolutely. And when Michael Thomas comes back, they'll have you know, even less problems to worry about. Absolutely. But Alvin Kamara is on an absolute tear right now. I cannot sit with the, to wait to see what the offense will look like when Michael Thomas is back in the lineup, how that affects Kamara's touches, and more importantly, how that affects Michael Thomas's touches when they're yeah. all healthy in New Orleans. 
Well, we know well, we know that it's gonna it's gonna play a role into you know people's touches and things like that. But Drew Brees has historically done a great job with making sure he spreads the ball around you know to the people that needs to have the ball in their hands. The one person that is probably gonna uh, hurt more from this when uh, when Thomas comes back is Murray. Uh, Murray has actually been doing a really good job. Like just this past game, he had 14 attempts for 64 yards and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Like that's amazing. That's that's really good uh, backup running back work right there. And honestly, you know, how could you? How could you really? But I understand. You know, money plays a factor in everything, and you know, just finding the correct balance for. Uh, you know, for their whole team. But I'm pretty sure Tom uh, Sean Payton's uh, wheels are turning in the back of his head right now trying to figure out how he's going to get everybody uh, the ball and keep everybody happy at the same time. I agree with you there. I, I really don't even think Latavius Murray is a backup running back per se. I think he's a good he's change of pace back. I think he's a great power uh, running back towards the goal on in the red zone especially. But another guy to bring up as well, Traquan Smith, four receptions, 54 yards, yes. and two scores for the Saints as well. How does that affect his touches when Michael Thomas comes back? You see Emmanuel Sanders actually getting fed the ball now. Nine targets. He had six catches for 93 yards. When I look at it that way, I kind of compare it to the Celtics of the NBA. Do they have too many weapons? Will they have enough to, you know, will they have enough time and enough possession uh, to, you know, pass the ball around? Will they, will the defenses start keying on certain guys taking stuff away? Will Drew Brees get confused? Will Drew Brees, you know, start to falter a little bit because he doesn't know who to throw to? Maybe I don't see it happening, but an interesting thought, definitely to say the least. Going on the next game here, the Dallas Cowboys and the Cleveland Browns. Mm. Oh my God, 49 to 38, a high scoring affair. If, I think this, this game says two things about, about the Dallas Cowboys. Number one, their defense is horrific against the run. Horrific. And, <laughs> and the Cleveland Browns, what the Cleveland Browns total for, for running? I think they totaled, uh, what, what's not 95 yards from Dearness Johnson, 73 mm-hmm. from Odell Beckham Jr., 71 from Kareem Hunt, 43 from Nick Chubb, and 90 from Dontrell Hillard. That, I think it's 300 yards total. That's ridiculous. That's psychotic. Who gives up a 300-yard rushing game in the NFL in 2020? Listen, somebody needs to some somebody over there needs to get fired as well. But we know Jerry Jones is not going to do that anytime soon with anybody over there. But uh, yeah, they need to figure out what's going on. You know, I'm hearing I'm hearing rumors is going around talking about uh, they don't they don't want Earl Thomas in their in their locker room, which blows my mind. You're talking about a Hall of Famer who uh, helped the help put. Uh, put the Legion of Boom on the map, um, a guy who is very uh, detail-oriented in his work and what he does. Um, I wouldn't I, – I, I, I just don't understand how that would make sense of people saying that. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, they need to figure out that defense. I mean, the D-line is actually – they're doing fairly well. Um, it's just more so of, like, the secondary and the linebackers that are – the same question. And they have a lot of talent at linebacker already. Jalen Smith out of Notre Dame is a talented guy. Van Der Resch yes. out of Boise State's also very talented and very young. While he has some injury concerns, but that's, beside, but that's beside the point here. The secondary is sorry. It is sorry. <laughs> and you know what the funny thing is, too? Even though they're sorry, Baker Mayfield still had an average ass day. He was 19 mm-hmm. of 30 for only 165 yards and two mm-hmm. scores that had almost nothing to do with him passing the ball. Yeah. Baker Mayfield is a bona fide scrub now. I'm actually I'm, I'm labeling him right now bona fide scrub. 
When you have Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Austin Hooper, and you put up that stat line against one of the worst secondaries in football, you're sorry. You Absolutely. are a bona fide scrub. Baker Mayfield, you fraud. You number one overall pick, fraud. It boggles my mind he can even you put this performance up and be proud of that. It's crazy to me. It Actually, you know what's funny about that? He almost blew the game for him, too. The Cowboys at halftime, what was the score at halftime? It was 24 to, um, what was it, 24-14 at halftime. Then Cleveland scores 10 more points, and then they let up 24 points in, in the fourth quarter. Not to Baker Mayfield's you know, fault here. He only puts eight points up in the fourth quarter. Baker yeah. Mayfield sucks at football. He's not good well, at football. We're going to say we, 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 we have to also take into account that it's the coaching um, it's the coaching uh, demographics is going on over there. What what should they do at a time like this when they're up? Um, I remember hearing one of the commentators talking about, you know, they've never been in this position before where they've been <laughs> up. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. They clean house and they uh, they've cleaned house more than more than I've cleaned my to change my drawers. So <laughs> they have to know something. They have to have that in place. Now the coaching, the coaching is the part that I'm really having a problem with right now. Baker Mayfield, we already know how I feel about him. Uh, well, actually, you've took you've taken care of that, really. But um, yeah, man, the coaches they have to do a better job. You know that you you can't be playing safe when you're in the NFL because you that would be the quickest way to get you an L on your in the column. So you need to play to win, keep your foot on people's necks, and then once you have that that chemistry and that, that, that feeling of, okay, I know what it feels like. You have, we have players in here. Okay. Now I know what it feels like to, 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 to win a game. We can do certain things to adjust from there, but you know, just to, just to say that they've never been there because you know, no, none of the coaches have been there. That doesn't mean anything. You need to be able to, you need to be prepared. That's pretty funny still, though. The fact that he had to say Cleveland's never been there before, that's still pretty funny. That's still pretty good. Anyway, though, good point, like you said. When you have the foot on their neck, you can't let it up. You have to snap it and be done with the game. And they didn't do that. And, you know, the person snapping their neck right now, it was Dak Prescott. They let the foot up, and he made them pay for it. 41 of 58, almost 60 60 balls thrown this game for Dak Prescott. 502 yards in the air and four scores. Pay that man. He no, needs to be I'm, paid. No, I'm going to ask you about this right now. Was the product of Dallas's offense not being effective in the first half because of Dak Prescott? Because of Ezekiel Elliott, who, didn't, or who had a pretty much a, a very, very average game by his standards as well, or just not being able to keep up with the Cleveland Browns, which is a weird sentence to say out loud, not being able to keep up with the Cleveland Browns. What was the reason why they were down this big in the first place? Well, they can't keep up. They can't keep up because uh, the defense keeps on allowing them to go down there and score. You, you got to understand that time, timing and scoring all plays a factor in how and how you can win a game. So if you're scoring fast, it's going to be hard for you. It's, you know, it's going to be hard for people to, to, to keep up with you, but are you going to be able to sustain that? And, you know, we, we know that Cleveland's not going to be a sustained scoring uh, of that level all the time throughout this season. So you have to find a healthy balance between your offense and your defense or how much you need to stay on the field uh, for your defense and in your offense. Yeah, I guess I can agree with that as well. My question to you is about Ezekiel Elliott. So far this season, he's been very, I would say, average to below average. This game, he only carried the ball 12 times for 54 yards and no scores. 
what is going on with Zeke Elliott, number one? Because he has a off- great offensive line. Dak Prescott's playing good football, and he has a great receiving core around him as well. The box should be open for Zeke Elliott. What's going on in Dallas with Zeke? I, I, don't, I don't know. I think it's, you know, I think it's uh... – you know, it's a large part of, you know, picking, you know, picking your poison. You know, everybody has been talking about um, helping Dak out. Let's give Dak some more help out there on the outside to catch the ball. Now that they go out there and they get it, now he need, now he's throwing the ball. Now we're having a problem with our run game. It's all about finding a healthy balance on both sides, on, on the run and pass game. But I'm sure Ezekiel Elliott, you know, as great as he is, he'll find a way to, to, to get his work in and, you know, he's not doing terrible other than the fumble that, uh, you know, that he should have held on to. You know, he's, all, he's, doing, he's doing a good job of uh, staying up professional and just staying ready. I think that's the biggest thing. Everybody can't have big game right after the next, right after No, the that, next. that's a fair point. What I was trying to emphasize more, he's been average to his standards. That's a different standard than a lot of guys in the league, but he yeah. has been average. I don't think you can argue against that, Chris. I think he has been very, very average so far this year. Yeah. That's my opinion, I guess. For Dallas here. Still in the top five running backs, though. I, I would agree. For, with talent-wise, yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. But for production-wise this season, not, I wouldn't agree with you, but we can kind of move on here. <laughs> C.D. Lamb. I'm so happy for C.D. Lamb. Five receptions, Absolutely. 75 yards, and two scores. Finally. That's the word I had heard in my head over and over again on Sunday. Finally. They finally incorporated C.D. Lamb, and it paid off dividends. While they didn't get the W, because, and that was all because of their defense. Down the line here, especially towards the playoffs during this run, and especially considering this is a weird division, Dallas is 1-3. But can easily win the division still because of how sorry the NFC East is this year. Where they really should be 0-4. Exactly. In all honesty. And even if they were 0-4, they'd still be in it in, in the hunt because of how <laughs> bad that, that division is. But down the line, CeeDee Lamb's going to be so useful to you, especially towards the playoff run here, because secondaries are only two to three men deep across the board. Safeties, corners, yes. everything. Nobody yes. really and there's exceptions to this, but nobody really has four legitimate great players in the secondary. That's a very rare thing to have and a very exceptional thing to have. To have three cornerbacks of that, that caliber to cover all those, those receivers in Dallas, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb, that doesn't exist in the NFL right now. Absolutely. So you're, you're going to have a third stringer on CeeDee Lamb at some point, and he's going to make them pay. And they're going and to use exactly him down the line true. very, very successfully. So I'm excited to see what CeeDee Lamb can do down the line here. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Going to the next game here, I don't know why it's not working on my phone here. Uh, but here we go. The Jaguars and the Bengals. Joe Burrow. Here you, you go. My, you see my smile, Chris? <laughs> you see my smile? Here you go. 33-25. to 25, Joey B, Joe Cool, whatever you want to call him, gets his first W against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 33-25. to 25. While he was not overly successful in this game specifically, the one thing I loved seeing from Cincinnati was Joe Mixon's breakout game of 2020. Joe Mixon had three scores in the day. He finished, I believe, with 151 yards in the ground, two scores on the ground, and then receiving, he had, I believe, why isn't it showing him? Oh, six receptions for 30 yards in the touchdown. Joe Mixon was an all-around threat on Sunday, and if the Bengals want to make a push, if if, if they're capable of making a push in the playoffs this season, it's going to rely on the run game, and specifically with Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. I love what I saw from the Cincinnati offense this game. I think Tyler Boyd played a phenomenal game as well. I think T. Higgins showed that he's going to become a star in the NFL eventually, while not right away. He's showing the ability to affect games at a large level. 
He had four Absolutely. receptions for 77 yards. That's a lot of yards a, ca- a catch. That's a lot of yards of reception. He can affect the game in the intermediate to deep parts of this offense, and that's what Joe Burrow loves to do. You saw it last year with Justin Jefferson at LSU. You saw it with Jamar Chase. And now you're seeing it with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. This offense is going to be special down the road. Not this season. Maybe not even next season. But when Joe Burrow gets comfortable, and this is assuming he has the same scheme, assuming the head coach is still there, assuming Zach Taylor is still there. But once he gets comfortable in this offense and they put some you know, you know, protection around him, some offensive you know, blocking around him, this is going to be a lethal offense. And I can't wait to see what he can do down the road for Cincinnati. Absolutely. I feel like he was doing a great job of ripping up the, the Jacksonville defense. They were, they were not looking – they were not looking uh, – uh, they were looking like they were on point – all across the board, especially mm-hmm. with uh, Joe Mason. Joe Mason out here is the player of the week uh, for his team, and you know showing positive signs, especially that hop over, uh, the hop over the uh, the hop over the hit the defender just to get into the end zone, and you know he, he, he took a big whale hit, too. He got whale. He took a big hit, but it was it was well worth it to get that to get that touchdown. And you can see that he was you know starting to get that joy back to the dance at the end of it as well. You know he was just showing all the way around that. He was showing positive signs of coming back on the up and up. And the thing is, like, I couldn't watch the game live because of a TV blackout, unfortunately. But when I saw the highlights after the game, and I was just watching, I was like, I was just sipping on a, on a drink or whatever. And I, I watched the Joe Mixon play. I almost spit it out. I was like, oh, my God, that really just happened? Yeah. Hurled the guy, get bobbed, kept hold down the ball for a touchdown? That was a great play by Joe Mixon. But since then, he's showing life in a lifeless franchise. And I love to see Joe Burrow leading the charge with that front. But the Jaguars, to their credit, didn't have a bad game. Gardner Minshew was 27 of 40 for 351 yards and a couple scores. A costly interception that ended up, you know, costing them in the long run. But Minshew Mania is still very well and alive. He is trying to prove to everyone and their mother in Duval County that he is the quarterback going forward for the Jacksonville Jaguars if they give him the defense around him. Absolutely. and, and I'm not really sure Jacksonville's GM and owner are sold on it, but I really wish they would be because I need that mustache and mullet around in my life just for mental health reasons. I love seeing this guy on yeah. Sunday. He's like yeah, Uncle if Rico. It's not, if it's not, then they might as well just go ahead and move on from now. Let him create his, his legacy somewhere else. Let him blossom somewhere else because that's, 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 that's going bad. That's going against him right now, right? You stringing him along. And then later on, once you pick up another draft pick, you just drop them off like a bad habit. So, yeah, and, and, definitely. If you're not, they're not tired of them. Keep, keep it pushing. Let them keep, let them keep it pushing. And let me remind you, Chris, they were dubbed the Trevor Lawrence team all offseason by multiple AFC and NFC scouts. So, will that hold true? I'm not sure. If you're any Gardner Mission is going to piss on their parade, and I'm very happy to see that in so. Jacksonville. I hope so too, because it's really shitty what they're doing at Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. Regardless, Absolutely. going on to the next game here, the Carolina Panthers and Arizona Cardinals. An all-time collapse for Kyler Murray this past couple weeks. 31-21 final score here. And he's starting to worry me a little bit. Teddy Bridgewater on the day. Actually, a very average day. Only had 276 yards and a couple scores and a pick. Rushing the ball. They don't have Christian McCaffrey. Mike Davis was carrying the load for 84 yards and a score. He had a great day. But the Cardinals, while Kyler Murray still cost three scores, he only had 123 yards in the air. In a pass-heavy, well, in a, not run-heavy offense, but it's, it's a pretty balanced attack. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, caught his balls. The running game was not there outside Kyler Murray either. I'm starting to see a little bit of cracks in, in the offense here. When you're centering it around Kyler Murray, 
he was on the MVP tear through the first couple weeks here, and now we're starting to see him yes. slow down and losing to teams they have no business losing to. The Carolina Absolutely. Panthers should not be beating the Arizona Cardinals this late in the year. In week five, that should not be – or week four, that should not be happening. That should not be happening to Cliff Kingsbury in this Cardinals de- and offense and defense. That's surprising to me to say the very least. Going against a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who's historically a game manager, without his number one weapon on offense, Christian McCaffrey, you're letting guys like Robbie Anderson gut your defense. You drafted Isaiah Simmons to cover up the middle of the field. What happened? Nothing. They're attacking the intermediate part of your defense, and they're, t- they're carving you up. Huda Baker just made the highest-paid safety of all time. That's ahead of Cam Chancellor. That's ahead of Earl Thomas in terms of pay. And he's not doing his job. What the hell is going on in Arizona? Well, it, it just looks like there are, a lot of them are setting their ways. I think that there just needs to be new blood that comes in there, enlivening um, up that, that, that locker room. Um, you know, because, you know, once you once you get a little bit of that money in you and you understand that, you know, you're that guy and people look up to you and look forward to seeing you play, you know, sometimes that can play, that can play against you. And, you know, you start getting a little bit lysodaisical because, you know, for have, just, just, just for Teddy Bridgewater to be 26 or 37 and have 276 yards on you, that's saying something when he was not having – a good game against the other four, I mean, the other three teams that he was just playing against. You know, you have to do better than that. You know, he's out here running the ball, he's running the ball and getting touchdowns on you and passing the ball and getting touchdowns on you. Like, you have to pick your poison. You can't just let a quarterback go out there and do whatever he wants. Otherwise, he's going to end up having a good day, even if he's considered an average quarterback. I agree with you 100% there. Going to the next game here, the Giants and the Rams. And it was 17-9 final, the Rams take the W. But the number one thing I want to talk about is this beef between Golden Tate and Jalen Ramsey? It starts yeah. on the – well, actually, let's give some background if you guys don't know here. Jalen Ramsey had a prior relationship with Golden Tate's sister. They have two children together. And Jalen Ramsey broke up with Golden Tate's sister while she was pregnant with their second child. Golden Tate took a very, very, very unkindly to that. Said it multiple times in the media, uh, on social media, to the press, to everyone saying, I'm coming for you. And it came to a head during this game. Jalen Ramsey makes a much harder than needed tackle on Golden Tate in the open field during the game. And after the game, the jersey swabs, the hug, and the, the handshake, and everything comes over. And Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate meet in the middle of the field and start throwing haymakers. They land, I think, four or five punches each before they get separated. A huge, you know, brawl ensues between the entire teams, between the Rams and the Giants. And then Jalen Ramsey doesn't let it end there. He follows them into the locker room, gets thrown out then waits for him outside the locker room at the end of the game. What a wild development. But what, what, what stance are you taking in this Jalen Ramsey-Golden Tate dispute? Um, I'm personally not going to take any stance on it. It has nothing to do with me. It's none of my business. But I can see why the tensions are so high, especially when you're dealing with people's sisters. I have a sister of my own, and I am super super overprotective of her. So if anything was like that was to happen, I probably wouldn't even have made it to start the game. We would have fought before the game, during the game, after the game, until they just would have kicked me out of there. So, you know, that's me personally. That's why I don't feel like I want to take a stance on either side of this. But, you know, you know, that's what happens, man. You know, these guys, they go out here and they're just messing around and, you know, thinking like you're not going to, like, like it's not going to affect anybody, but it affects everybody's lives when you're making, you know, when you're making uh unfavorable decisions out here and especially having children on people and then just absolutely walking out. That's not cool. I'm not going to sit here and say that, 
he's not taking care of his kids or anything like that because I'm sure he is off just off of you know seeing what he's shown on TV that he's a good father. Uh, hopefully that's not the case, but still just just having that linger on and you know these games making it even more of something you know and coaches you know coaches buy into that too they hear the little chirps going on around in the locker rooms and stuff like that and they're trying to dig into you to make you play a little bit harder so they can get a little bit of edge uh, on the next team but you know it's all it's all it's all messy um i just hope nobody was severely hurt out there and uh you know deal with the fines pay the fines and keep it walking keep it walking as soon as you said you, you would have scrapped before the game, I'm like, that's not long beaching him. That's not long beaching Chris <laughs> Matthews. But anyway, you don't want to take a side. That's fine. I'll take a side. Jalen Ramsey's a fuckboy. He's like, he's like the biggest fuckboy in the NFL. Oh, that, that's literally like, that's who he is. Um, you can see in his, his mentality, his persona. He's a fuckboy. That's literally who he is. To leave someone who you've had a kid with, who you've had a serious relationship with, who you considered marrying, and then dump them while they're pregnant with your kid? You're a piece of shit. I don't care what you say. Golden Tate had every single right in his mind to beat the living hell out of Jalen Ramsey, and I support it 100%. I hope the NFL doesn't find him. I hope they find Ramsey, though, because I am pro-Golden Tate in this dispute. Jalen Ramsey, I, oh, my God. He, first of all, he's annoying. He's, like the, he's a prototypical annoying cornerback, but he's not like Richard Sherman. He's different than Richard Sherman. I want to know why. Because Sherman carries himself with intelligence, backs himself up in trash talks. Jalen Ramsey yaps at people like a little chihuahua. That's what he does. He's a little chihuahua. But he doesn't back, he doesn't back it up? He backs it up, but no, he he, back he, he backs it up, but it's a different way he backs it up than Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman's a leader on and off the field, and Jalen Ramsey's a little fuckboy. He kind of dances around, does whatever the hell he wants. Is not pro team. He's pro Jalen Ramsey, and that's what I don't like about Jalen Ramsey. He's still top two core in the league, maybe not even top two. I think top one. Not doubting his athletic ability at all, or his coverage skills or anything, but I'm saying personality wise, I'm saying detrimental to the team. You know chemistry detrimental to the team locker room and stuff yeah i am against jalen ramsey that's all i'm going to say in the matter yeah, well, well you know you're everybody's entitled to their own opinion i'm just oh that. chris you're afraid <laughs> to be controversial now you're afraid i'm, I'm not like, i'm not i'm just saying we don't i don't know i don't know the full details of it nobody really knows it we just go off and he say she say you know off the twitter brands and stuff like that well, that's we a fair can't point. really go off of that that's a fair point, but I'm all clickbait. I told you that. I told you that from day one. That's hey, all. I, that's, and it that's works. And it works. I'm ta- it works. <laughs> it works. Anyway, going to the next game here, the Raiders and the Bills. It was actually a very good football game here. 30-23 to 23 final score. Buffalo takes the W. And Josh Allen continues a, I think it's, I can say this now, a bona fide MVP run for the Buffalo quarterback here. Absolutely. Josh Allen, I think he finished. I want to make sure I get the numbers here right. Josh Allen finished 24 of 34, 288 yards and a couple scores here. But rushing, actually, you know, a bad day rushing. But honestly, he was injured during the game as well. He, I think he was out for like a quarter or so and came back in the yeah. game and still won yeah. the football game as the, the Las Vegas Raiders. And I will go on record saying, as soon as the Raiders lost to the Patriots, I said the next week, a couple days later, they're really going to a rut. And this is where the, the rut begins. Two losses to two AFC East opponents. That's two big losses in AFC, period. Not to mention the Chiefs are 3-1 and one ahead of them. But now that they play the Chargers the next couple weeks who are on fire, Justin Herbert's on fire, the entire offense is clicking. You have another team like the Broncos who might surprise you. I doubt they do unless they get Drew Locke back, but they could surprise you. This Raiders team is in serious critical condition and serious, you know, What's the word I'm, I'm trying to find here, Chris? They're in they're in a serious situation where they are at risk for losing their entire season. That might seem like an overreaction at two and two, 
But from what I've seen the last couple of weeks, what they've seen in the slide from their play, their defensive slide, their offensive slide, even towards the end of the fourth quarter here uh, in this Buffalo game, I'm officially worried about the Las Vegas Raiders. Are you? Uh, no, I definitely am. And I wanted to actually speak up on that fourth, on that fourth quarter, the end of the fourth quarter that they were uh, so terrible at. We're talking about the last four possessions. You got a punt, a fumble, out on downs, and then another fumble. And each one of them was five plays, five plays, four plays, four plays, six yards here, 22 yards here, nine yards here. Like, what are we doing here? You know, that's not, that's not a recipe for success. And, you know, we all keep saying this, but, you know, you're talking about Gruden bringing all these great football minds with Mike Mayock and all these dudes out here. But when you're going in the last four possessions of the fourth quarter and it's looking like this, I mean, what, what, what great minds do you really have? You know, it's not looking good at all. I mean, Darren Wallace showed his face. He definitely came back, you know, in a digits and uh, did good this week. I mean, this, uh, this game. But uh, the defense needs to bring it a little bit more. I agree with you there 100%. And it's funny to me. I'm looking at the, the, the stat sheet right now. You have arguably a top five running back in the league in Josh Jacobs. Yes. You, give him, you give him 15 carries. 15 against a defense you desperately need to run the ball on to control yes, time of possession. Absolutely. And you mentioned here the last four drives, five, four, five, six play drives. Extend the ball with your star running back. Why are you giving the ball to Derek Carr in these serious situations when you have a proven runner who can get it done in the most critical situations you have in a football game? I don't understand the thinking from John Gruden. I don't understand where he was trying to go with what he was doing. Regardless, it looks bad on the entire Raiders organization. Maybe maybe they might be going with going off of what you said uh, uh, last. I mean, the last podcast where um, they might be actually getting tired of Derek Carr and they're just trying to put it in his hands and see what he does. And he's not producing right now, so uh, that might that might be the key right there. I mean, I'll take credit for it if you're going to offer it to me. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate go that. Ahead. There we go. <laughs> we'll, we'll give and take with my co-host here. I love it. Anyway, here, but yes, yeah, seriously, Buffalo is a dangerous team in the AFC East here. They're now 4-0, and leading the division. And we'll get to the Patriots in a little bit, but Ooh. I think the Patriots have something to say about that. But we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tease you that a little bit more. We're going to go to the next game here, which ended up being, because of Cam Newton's diagnosis, the Colts-Bears game. 19-11 final score. A boring game, to say the least. Nick Absolutely. Foles did not play well. Phillip Rivers barely played well. But overall, it was a tough game to watch. It's shocking to me that both of these teams are 3-1. and one. These yeah. teams should not be 3-1. and one. Like, I'm so, they, they do not deserve to be 3-1 and one in any sense of the word. They're in tough divisions, historically competitive divisions. They don't have yeah. a whole lot of talent in general, and the coaching isn't great. So, well, yeah. Actually, that's not true. Frank Reich is a phenomenal head coach. But in general speaking, they should not be 3-1 and one at all. I don't want to spend time on this game, period, because I don't really care about these two teams because they're not going to do anything in the postseason in the first place. But still a very weird game on Sunday between the Colts. The only, and the the only, the only, the only uh, entertainment I got off of that game was, uh, was Phillip Rivers talking shit to me. To the he's so funny. Phillip Rivers is so funny. And it's funny because he's like a devout Catholic. He's like nine or 12 kids or whatever the hell it is. And, and it's funny because he doesn't swear, but he yells all the time. So if you, listen, time. If you listen to his mic'd up thing, it's always like, frick, son of a nutcracker. He starts swearing <laughs> like a dad that's like in front of his three-year-old. It's hilarious. It's so funny. If you haven't seen that before, look at Philip Rivers' sound effects. It's probably the funniest thing you'll watch all day. And um, this. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good one too. That's so good. Anyway, going to, going to Sunday Night Football, which should not have been Sunday Night Football, probably the grossest game on the docket, the Eagles and yeah. the 49ers. 
your 49ers take a devastating loss to the one, two, and one Philadelphia Eagles, 25 to 20. George Kittle had 183 yards receiving. He did everything in his power to win this football game for Absolutely. the 49ers. But my question to you is, what did the 49ers do wrong in this football game? Defense. It was defense for me where, you know, they do good. They're doing good with run game, you know, sliding down the line, gap replacing, you know, fitting into the gaps and into the holes. They were doing a great job with that. But then you turn around and you're allowing people to throw the ball all over you. It's not, it's not good. You know, it's not, that's a recipe for uh, dysfunction right there. And, you know, we talked about, you know, we talked about the offense and how they were, you know, looking iffy, but, you know, we're still winning games, might I add, uh, might I add Joe. But, um, yeah, just it just showed this game that, you know, the defense wasn't uh, clicking on all cylinders this game. I give the 49ers a pass for this one. I know you like that answer. I'm going to give them a pass for this one. Just I, because I Nick Mullins gets injured in the game, CJ Bathard gets thrown into action as well, the third-string quarterback. The defense is rippled with injuries as well. The offense, not to mention, is rippled with injuries. Debo Samuel actually made his debut for the season yes. in this game. But, again, it was showing signs of tread. He needs to get more developed in the offense. He needs to get his legs under him, especially without a full preseason. But he got injured beforehand anyway. Absolutely. The game ended 25-20. Carson Wentz played a very average game as he has all season. This game really, to me, shows me nothing about either team. The Eagles won because they probably should have because the, Nick Bowens gets injured midway through. And the defense is riddled with injuries. The Eagles, you know, while they had their own share of injuries, probably have a healthier roster than the, the 49ers in general. They probably should have won this game, and they did. We picked the Niners just in general just because we believe the Eagles couldn't pull it off, and that's on, on us, I guess. But in yeah, general, Niners have, Niners have 18 people on the injured list right now. 18. 18. That's, that's almost the number of Titans players with COVID. That's crazy. That you have that. You think that's crazy? How about, how about the Seahawks? They have 25 people on the injury report. Are you saying the Seahawks are better over, of overcoming injury than the Niners are? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it is a lot. I almost trapped right you. Now. I think that I think that it's going to be a lot harder for the Seahawks to win next week. I know that. I almost trapped you there, Chris. You were getting into a slippery slope there, my guy. <laughs> anyway, though, uh, highlight play of the, I think maybe the week. Brandon Ayuk with the hurdle of the century over an Eagles safety or cornerback. I don't know who the hell it was, but a crazy hurdle stays in the air. I think for a good three, four seconds, lands on his feet, walks into the end zone. What a highlight play from the rookie. That boy has hops. He yeah. has hops. He was just a phenomenal player. Uh, I, I know that uh, I forgot the, the defender's name on the on the uh, on the Eagles team. He ended up with an injury, uh, with a leg injury, which actually opened it up for him. And I was so I was I was I was confused because you know I'm a Niners fan and I'm over here like, well, what is he doing? Like he needs to tackle him. I'm just wanting to see a good a good a good match. But then I'm like, oh wait wait wait. He's about to go. You know, he he has wheels. This guy has Brandon has wheels, and then he turns around, he jumps over uh, the defender to get into the end zone. It just made my day. I had to, you know, shut shut on, shut down all the rest of my emotions and just say, <laughs> yeah, he's doing an amazing job. You know, Kittle is doing an amazing job. Like, let's just ride this wave all the way to the wind. But that, you know, we didn't get that. That's the first time you didn't call him Kittles. I love that nickname. <laughs> you gotta keep going with it. Yeah, trademark that. <laughs> anyway, getting to a game. That was probably the most frustrating game to watch as a Patriots fan this, this yes. Monday, actually, yes. was the Chiefs and the Patriots. Don't say yes, Chris. Yes. 
Don't say yes. And, and, oh, I'm, I'm going to go off, Chris. You don't want to start me right now. 26-10 was the final score. Oh, boy, Chris, that was a – Chris, that was a hell of a game to be watching right You got to love – I you're, already knew. I was like, you know what, let me – I was going to text you. I saw, the, I saw the text you, and then I was like, no, let's just let them fester a little bit more. <laughs> if you're watching this, you're seeing me shake my head right now because this is the most frustrating game as a Patriot to watch in recent memory. 26-10 is the final score. Brian Hoyer, and they showed a graphic at the beginning of the game here. They showed the graphic that says he's second all-time in most starts on different franchises in NFL history. He started for seven teams across the board and I believe, a 12-year career. And he looked like a goddamn Pop Warner quarterback. It, yeah. It's unbelievable the kind of mental mistakes that he made on a Bill Belichick-led roster. The number one offense, the New England defense, holds Patrick Mahomes at six points. Six points at halftime. He didn't score a lick. All field goals, six points. They drive down to the 10-yard line or so. Brian Hoyer has to call his last timeout on a, on, a, on a run by Damian Harris. He takes the snap, runs around a little bit, can't find anything, and you think, you know what? He's a smart guy. He'll throw the ball out of the end zone or something like that because any quarterback – from ages nine and up will do the same goddamn thing. But no, Brian Hoyer, a 12-year veteran in the NFL with two separate stints on the Patriots with the most talented and knowledgeable coaching staff in quite possibly NFL history, decides to take a sack with Frank Clark, a friend of the show, by the way, but decides to take a sack on Frank Clark to end the half and then has the audacity to call a timeout after with no timeouts left. <laughs> oh, oh, and I'm just like I, I'm getting myself so worked up here, but I cannot believe I, I was watching the game. I was like, yeah, I cannot believe this is actually happening. This is a rookie mistake. If Jared Stidham was in the game and he made that same mistake, you know what, Stid? You're you're basically a rookie still. That's fine. You know what? You make that mistake, it's fine. Brian Hoyer's a 12 year NFL veteran. He started for seven different football teams. You're telling me that through his entire football journey, he hasn't learned when to get rid of the football. Are you kidding me? He pulled it's, a J.R. Smith in the finals. <laughs> it's psychotic. It's it's crazy. It's crazy that you, you know that you say this, and I'm I'm just I'm just loving it. I'm soaking it in of all this anger that you're expressing to us right now. It's it's amazing. I love it, Joe. You need to keep it going because you know I know I've seen one thing. I'm like. This can't be this. This this can't be this bad. They can't be doing. They can't be doing this bad. But then, lo and behold, here they go throwing picks and dropping balls. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the game that I want to see for the Patriots. The whole time, i after after we lost to them. This is the type of game. This is the type of gameplay I've been waiting to see, man. I am so happy. Chris, the type of guy to like this. If we were watching this game, Chris, the type of guy to put a Snapchat on me the entire game and watch me suffer. That's, that's the guy, all flash, just putting me down, zooming in on my fucking face and stuff. Like, that's exactly what he's trying to do. Oh, my God. If you watch me in this game, I was heated. Ask my roommates. I was screaming. I was yelling. I was trying to hit the TV. I was like, you got to be kidding me. But I will say, the fix was essentially in with the amount of calls that went against the Patriots. The number one offense was the Patrick Mahomes interception slash fumble recovery there. Chase Winovich comes like a madman off the line, beats Eric Fisher, and sacks Patrick Mahomes, in which case Patrick Mahomes clearly with no forward motion of any kind, ball drops out, 
uh, I believe Shaquille Calhoun, I think, picks up the ball yes. in the air shows. That's technically an interception if you want to call it a fumble. It's technically an interception and tries to run it back. Whistles come in after Calhoun has the ball. And then they call – they blow it dead. They say, oh, we blew it dead before the play stopped, all that stuff. He was in the graphs and everything. They basically pulled what they should have pulled against Eli Manning in Super Bowl whatever it was in 2007. That's what, they, that's what they called. After the game, he tries to explain himself. says, oh, we blew the, 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 play, the play dead after, you know, he was in the graphs. No, you didn't, dude. You blew the whistle 20 <laughs> minutes afterwards. We took a TV timeout. Then you blew the whistle. It's psychotic. They try to – excuses they try to make up to try to, like, justify this decision. Guys, you just messed up. In no way, shape, or form is he in the grass. He got sacked, dropped the ball, threw a pick. That's it. That's it. Black and white. There's no gray area to this issue. It's either you got it right or you didn't. And, guys, you got it dead wrong. That turnover changes the entirety complexity of the game. I trust even Brian Hoyer to get at least a field goal out of the position they got in, making it at least a, uh, a three-point game or closer. Guys, and, and, if you, and, if you look, and if you look at Patrick Mahomes' face during that whole sequence of the play, he was looking worried. Until they blew that whistle and they gave him, they went into his favor. He just made to make that little, that nice little turn and walked right off with that smirk on his face. And then they punt the ball every they, moment of it. And they punt the ball, and Bill Belichick can't challenge because it's a ref's decision. There's nothing challengeable on the play anymore, so you can't change that. And you know what I said? You know what I say to myself, Chris? I'm like, you know what? It's probably the only bad thing that happened in this game. I'll get over it, right? I'll get over it. <laughs> and and then Miko Hardman happens where the ball clearly hits his foot. On a punt return drop, and we recover it, and then they call it didn't hit his foot. No review to nothing. They called the next play. No review at, uh, in, in any way, shape, or form. And then I'm getting really mad, Chris. I'm getting really <laughs> pissed. And then Brian Hoyer throws a pick. Like, I'm, I, I'm not, I shouldn't be shocked he threw a pick, but then he throws a pick. And then I'm waiting for Stid the kid to come in. Wait, you know what? My Stidham stiff, he's hard as ever. I'm waiting for him to come in the game. Let's uh-huh. see what the kid has, right? And they, they finally do. And he throws a touchdown pass. I'm like, hey, Bill Belichick. We've been trying to tell you for, for weeks on end now, if Cam Newton gets injured, you put Stid the kid in. And he did, and he actually had some success. Granted, he had two interceptions. They're not always fault. That. Granted, I'm not defending him all the way. But I would argue right now, here and now, if Jared Stidham had started this football game, they actually probably would have won this game. They probably would have. Because if Brian, Brian Hoare was straight up incompetent. Incompetent. You're telling me Jared Stidham couldn't hand the ball off the same way Brian Hoare did? He can. You're telling me Jerry said him would have exactly, did. and when he got in, he handed the ball off, and they bust off like a 22-yard run. Exactly, right exactly. And you're telling me Jerry said him couldn't have made a better throw than Brian Hoare did on a lot of these overthrows across the middle. Of course he could have. That was his bread and butter at Auburn. I guarantee you, Denver, uh, the, the game against Denver is 4:25. The Patriots, they're starting Jerry Stidham. and for good reason. Yeah. Brian Hoyer is the tree Rollins of this roster. He's a player coach. He's a player coach. It's what he is now. Nobody okay. was keeping Brian Hoyer on this roster for his playing ability. And the only reason why Brian Hoyer started the game in general was because Jerry Stidham got no snaps during the week because Cam Newton's diagnosis came just a couple days before the game started. I don't really fault Belichick for that. I do fault Belichick for not putting Stidham in earlier because of how poorly Hoyer started the game off. That's where yes. I blame Bill Belichick. But overall... Overall, there was a lot of inconsistencies across the board for the Patriots. It was a couple of dropped interceptions. The defense overall played phenomenal football. Patrick yes, Mahomes was as neutralized, as they always do. Patrick Mahomes neutralized for most of the part. But the one thing I took from this game that actually made me happy proved to me, regardless of circumstance, that this team, the New England Patriots, can compete with anyone in the league. And that makes me happy. And that comes down to coaching, and that shows you 
that Bill Belichick was maybe even more instrumental in this dynasty than Tom Brady was for the latter part of, of, the, of the 2000s. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. Chris, what are your thoughts on the game? I, I mean, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with that last statement right there. But, you know, overall, it just looks like to me, you know, if your star player goes out, everything else goes to shit. Nobody cared. <laughs> the receivers didn't care. Yeah, hold on. Oh, oh, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Julian Edelman, can we talk about that for a minute? Was, <laughs> can we talk about that for a minute? Julian Edelman was targeted six times, had three receptions, had two drops, one of which led to a pick six to seal the game. And Jules, I love you. I really do. I love you. The squirrel. I'm trying to keep my head right now to say something not stupid. But, dude, you got to do better. You have to. I know we, and he realizes it now. He understands it now. But, dude, Brian Hoyer is your quarterback. I understand. But both of the balls he threw to you were on target. Catch the damn football. That's all I'm going to say in this game. I'm done with this game. Yeah, I, I'm done. I, I, my, my only thing about that, because, you know, I like Julian as well, you know, we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. He made his mistakes. You know, he wasn't focusing the game all the way to me what it looked like. And that's only because they weren't going to him in the first half. They were they were barely they were barely trying to get him the ball or keep him in the you know keep him engaged into the game. So you know he probably wasn't even thinking about half the, you know half of what he was supposed to be worried about out there and made a couple bonehead mistakes, which is gonna which costed them. But overall, you know he's still he's still professional. He's still re- he's still a really good wide receiver for the uh, for the Patriots, and uh, I can only see nothing but good things happening for him. I hope you're right there. The final game of, this, of the week four here was the Falcons and the Packers. Final score was 30-16. to 16. Aaron Rodgers Woo! continued his MVP campaign here. Like I said Woo! at the beginning of the season, I've been on this for the, the, the entirety of the season here, but 30-16 was the final score. That man is a bad dude. 27-33, 327 yards and four scores. This yeah. guy, outside of Russell Wilson, is playing the best football in the league right now. Better than no, Patrick Mahomes, I, I, I can, better I can than Lamar Jackson. You, but it's a close, it's a close, it's a close second with Russell Wilson and what he's doing right now. Yep. But I, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Aaron Rodgers is definitely having a phenomenal week. I mean, a phenomenal season so far. Definitely, definitely. And there's not really much to talk about during this game. We knew the Falcons secondary was not up to bat against this Packers offense, even without some of their top weapons, might I add. But we knew from the jump Aaron Rodgers was going to carve up this defense, and that's exactly what happened. And and, and Julio Jones was injured, actually played during the game, was active, but didn't really do a lot. We're starting to see the end for Atlanta's offense here, for the end of the super offense we saw in 2016. This is Matt Ryan's final year as a Falcon, I'm telling you right now. This might be Julio's last year as a Falcon, and this is for damn sure Dan Quinn's last year as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Moving on. It's tough. It might might end sooner than that. It could. This going on with Bill O'Brien. I wouldn't be surprised. Hold on. Uh, But I, I got one bone to pick with that. If Dan Quinn gets fired before Adam Gase, I'll go ballistic. <laughs> I will go ballistic. I'll, 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 you know, actually, you know what we should do, Chris? We should drive to the, the Jets facilities or something and, like, campaign outside their office or something. Like, fire Adam Gase, hire us instead, something like that. We should do we, 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 we got to pull up in a green limousine. That's, 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 a green limousine. Ride the wave HQ. Toss us some cash. Let's go. I'm ready to go. Anyway, here, that wraps up week four. In a very weird week in the NFL, to say the least, with some of these COVID, this COVID stuff going on here. But my main impressions, I want to, I want to say a couple main impressions here. Okay. Main impression number one: 
Aaron Rodgers is going to be top two in MVP voting. Like I said at the beginning of the year. That was one of my hot takes. He's going to be top two in MVP voting. If he doesn't get hurt, that, that's barring injury. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Number two, the New England Patriots, as I said before, can compete with anyone in the NFL. And if Cam Newton comes back fully healthy, same thing with Gilmore, you know, God willing and everything, everything goes well with their recovery with COVID and everything. They're going to be in the AFC Championship and they go to the Super Bowl. They really could. And I can see that happening for them. And if the Chiefs get the number one seed, I know there's a different buy system now. There's no buys for number two seeds. There's an extra playoff team, stuff like that, right? If they have to go to Kansas City, I'm still going to pick the Patriots in that game. I'm still really? going to pick them. I really am. And I understand a lot of people are going to say that's crazy and everything. And I will concede that the, that the Chiefs kind of play to their, their opponent's level, right? The Chiefs' offense didn't play well, I think in part because the Patriots' offense wasn't giving them any reason to play as well as they usually do. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that, right? I think it would be a better game on both sides of the football for the Chiefs offensively and the Patriots offensively when Cam Newton comes back and they play in the postseason, which I think is inevitable at this point. But I am, uh, I am vowing to you right now, barring injury, and I will say this right now, and if I change my mind, you can roast me on social media, you can do anything you want here. But I will say right now, I am taking the New England Patriots over the Kansas City Chiefs if they meet in the playoffs. Okay. So, we, even though it's bad, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with what Miami is doing right now and open up their whole stadium. But if that's the case, if that's the trigger right there and then other teams follow along, you don't think – that the Kansas City Chiefs, who is arguably the loudest stadium. I would say the in, loudest. I would say the, the loudest. Yep. Yeah, okay, okay. At least, at least we're on the same page with that part. Yep. Is the loudest stadium, and they allow them to come back mm-hmm. and to have a packed house. You don't think that that's not going to be a problem for the Patriots coming in and trying to play against the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs? I'll answer, you, I'll, I'll answer your question with a question. What happened in 2018? What happened? What happened? The Patriots won in overtime, went to the Super Bowl, and won a Super Bowl against the Rams. That's what happened. You're going against the Rams. We're not we're, I'm, we're talking, I'm talking about Kansas I, 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 City, though. That's, no, yeah, you, you misinterpreted what I said. What happened in the ASU Championship game in 2018? What happened? What do you, what do you, what do you want to say? What you want me to Tom say? Brady came back in Kansas City with a full house. And mind you, a lot of the running game was the reason why they won that football game. The Patriots came back from behind against the Chiefs in their packed stadium in the AFC Championship game in 2018, went to overtime, and then beat them in their home stadium. Cam Newton is playing better than Tom Brady was playing then. You're telling me right now that Cam Newton couldn't do what what a feeble Tom Brady could have done in 2018 and 2020? That's what I'm trying to say. This team – yes, they can, dude. Come on now. Yes, they they can. Why? What's the difference? What's the difference? We're talking about 2018 when just a 2019 Kansas City Chiefs just won a Super Bowl and they're coming back again for another. Trip what did, did the crowd get louder? They're going to get. Did, did the crowd? No the... way that you can tell me that one player on that team is going to change the whole dynamic of the whole game. There's no way what? that that's going to happen. What? There's no way. Kansas City will be back in the Super Bowl if my Niners are, aren't healthy, and. If they are, if they, you know, if Kansas City does make it, then they're going to win it. It's Chris, simple as that. Chris, I don't you, see nobody else beating them. 
Chris, you make the point about the fans. Do they get louder over time? No, they've been, they've been as loud as they have been the past five years. That doesn't change anything. The Patriots know how to win in away environments. They beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead just two seasons ago and won a Super Bowl afterwards. They can do it again. I have no problem picking the Patriots right now. And I'm going to get a ton of love from the homers, by the way. I'm, I'm feeding into the home energy. I'm a loyalist right now. I'm finally proud to be a Patriot loyalist right now. The Patriots will be the Chiefs in the playoffs this year. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> Chris, wow. well, Chris, what are your main I impressions from week I, sometimes, four? Sometimes sometimes I just don't understand. You know, you say clickbait, but then That's not sometimes clickbait. I actually believe that you believe some of the stuff that you spew out of your mouth, and it just <laughs> doesn't make sense to me. Chris, I'm You're right. talking about 2018 with a guy who is – Tom Brady, who is not even on the team anymore, who you just based your whole concept around. Yeah, I did. And, 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 and what did I say about it, Chris? 20 right now. Chris, what did I say There's about it? no way that you think that this 2020 Patriots is going to beat this 2020 Chris, Kansas City. Let me remind you here. I said Tom Brady was feeble in this game, which he was. The run game carried the game the entire game, right? Cam Newton is better than Tom Brady was in 2018 that postseason. Yes or no? No. Why is that a no? It's not. Look at the numbers. He's better than him. All, All right. right man. Agree to disagree. What, right. what, are your, what are your impressions of week four uh, for the NFL season? Uh. Just overall, it was a it was it was an up and down kind of a it was up and down week. You know, a lot of games that I really just didn't care about. Um, yeah, I care to see, and then there was a couple of them that I just knew was going to happen. You know, I knew what was going to happen in the games, and you know, it was only it was only a handful of games that I actually was uh, excited to see. Even though, like 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 the Green Bay game, that was a game that I really wanted to see. I thought it was going to be a, a really high scoring game because just because of the both of the offenses are high powered in the in their own sense and both of the defenses aren't the best. Yep. So I thought I would have seen a high scoring game, but you know we didn't due to the, a lot of the injuries that was going on with the uh, with the Falcons. But overall, Week Four was a solid week. Um, can't wait to see what Week Five is looking like. 100%. Speaking of week five, time for Stafford and Matthews picks of the week here, starting with the game number one, the Buccaneers and the Bears. Bucks right at the top, no question in my mind. Absolutely. Bucks is one blow with the Bucks all the way. And a great game here, if they can play, I doubt they do, the Bills and the Titans. The Titans are not going to play this game. If they, uh, We'll just say for argument's sake, they were going to play the game here. Chris, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills here. The Tennessee Titans, if they play the game, it's a big if. I doubt they do. They've had a week off. An early buy is never good for a team, especially down the stretch here. Josh Allen's playing phenomenal football. I think that Josh Allen would outduel Tennessee Titans offense and just win the game flat out. Uh, honestly, I was thinking more so of the Titans because okay. you're talking about you're talking about Derrick Henry, King Henry, who's had a whole week of resting and not a, not a whole bunch of wear and tear on his body right now. Uh, is going to come in and he averages 100 yards a game so far this season. So yeah. that's slowing that's slowing down the game for everybody and speeding up that clock. So for the Bills, do I think the Bills could come out and just strike, 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 and strike? I don't see it happening because they're not they haven't shown it yet. But um, I, yeah, I was definitely gonna, I was I'm definitely going to go I'm definitely going to pick the Titans if they play. Did, did you hear the new uh, actually Ryan Daniel has a new nickname? Do you hear the new nickname? Uh-uh, what's going on? Uh, Ryan Tannehill actually got a new nickname over the over the weekend. Here, his nickname is Derrick Henry's quarterback. 
<laughs> no, that's his nickname. <laughs> Derrick Henry's quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Put that on a shirt. Actually, don't put it on a shirt because I'm launching a shirt line on Friday. We'll talk about that later. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Eagles and the Steelers, the next game on the docket here. I'm going with the Steelers here. It shouldn't really be a conversation. The Steelers defense is playing phenomenal football. And the Philadelphia Eagles offense is playing bad football. That's just how it works. Big, Big Ben Roethlisberger will do enough to get the W, and the defense will stifle this Eagles offense. Absolutely. I'm going with Pittsburgh all the way. Yep. They're definitely a, a veteran team, especially on the defensive side, who's hitting on all cylinders. I'm going with Pittsburgh. The Rams and the Washington football team. I'm going with the Rams here. First start for Kyle Allen in Washington will be an interesting watch since he has a lot of history with Ron Rivera in Carolina. Mm-hmm. I think the talent's there on both sides of the football for the team to keep up with the Rams. I'm going with the Rams. Yeah, I'm definitely going with the Rams. Uh, you know, they're showing they're showing that stifling defense that they uh, that they've been wanting to show uh, for the past years, for the past couple of years, and this is going to show also this week. I'm going with the Rams. Hundred percent. Next on the docket here, the Cardinals and the Jets. A lot of you know one-way games this, this this week here. Yeah. The Cardinals and the Jets. I'm going with Arizona. Kyler Murray desperately needs a win to get his team back on track. I think DeAndre Hopkins totals double-digit receptions, uh, triple-digit yards. In, uh, uh, no, that's kind of a bold take here. I'll, take, I'll roll that back a little bit here. But I will say Kyler Murray gets W in a much-needed bounce-back win for this Cardinals offense. Absolutely. I'm going with Arizona as well. Uh, New York is just, you know, they're hurt all over the place, and they're just seven people in trying to stay, stay alive in the game. So, uh, although I did hear that uh, – uh, Bell might be coming back this week, but who knows? Let's see what that. Let's see what happens with that. But I'm definitely also, going Arizona. Also, your boy, your former quarterback Joe Flacco, getting the nod to start yeah. with Sam Darnold being injured. What can you yeah. say about your former quarterback and Joe Flacco during this game? Uh, you talking about Joe Cool? Uh, I think he's going to do a great job. You calling him Joe Cool? Back, you know, he's going to be able to sling it. He's going to sling it down the field a couple times. We just, you just need some people out there to uh, to be able to throw it to for him to throw it to. So. Um, it'll, it'll be, it'll be a sight to see, to see my guy go out there and, uh, play again in his full capacity. Can you name the number one receiver for the New York Jets right now? Absolutely not. Braxton Berrios. Who the <laughs> hell is Braxton Berrios? A former Patriot, I might add, but that's beside the point hey, here. Hey, he might, he might do something. You never know. Yeah. He might go to Tampa and play with Tom Brady because he's a small white receiver. Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> going out here, the Raiders and the Chiefs here, a better game that people give it credit for here. I'm still going with Kansas City. Oakland, or not Oakland, Las Vegas continues their rut after the Patriots lost and a loss last week to the Bills. Might be game over for the, for the Raiders here in the black hole, but the Chiefs are going to wipe them, I think, with the floor. Absolutely. The Chiefs is going to do a number on them. I think it's going to be more so on the defensive side than it's going to be on the offensive side. Uh, Kansas City's offense is, you know, is, they've always been known to start off pretty slow. Uh, but the defense is going to hold him through until that second half until Patrick Mahomes and, and company uh, wakes up for the second half. And Las Vegas, they're, not, they're just not going to have the, the firepower to stick with them once they get going. I agree. Jaguars and Texans, a battle of a 1-3 and three and 0-4 and football team. <laughs> and Bill O'Brien's gone now. I think the curse is over for the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans had their first win of the season against Minshew Mania in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Think so? I think I'm so. going with Jacksonville. I'm going That's with Jacksonville. You're gonna have some. You're gonna have some. Uh, you know, just wait, man. Just let me. Just let me. <laughs> you know, let me give you my reasoning why. Yep. You know, I think because of the defense is going to be there. The defense is going to. You know, they haven't been playing great, but they're still showing signs of that they're picking. 
picking enough steam on that defensive side for Jacksonville. So I think, uh, you know, and it's unfortunate that the Texans have to go through uh, another uh, another loss is what I'm seeing, and they'll be 0-5 after this week. But uh, Jacksonville, I'm definitely going to Jacksonville. Definitely. And the Bengals and the Ravens next on the docket here. I really hope this is a duel between Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. But to be very blunt with you, I don't see it happening. I think the Ravens take the W here. But I would love to see a battle between Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson just going back and forth. I don't think it happens, but I would love to see it. Ravens by a million. Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely picking Baltimore. I don't see no shootout going to happen because Lamar Jackson is definitely starting to uh, – come alive a little bit more, especially after that big loss that he had against Kansas City where he's showing that he's going to start running a little bit more. And that's ultimately, like I said before, with other teams, uh, you start running the ball, you start running the ball really well, defense is going to have to bring that extra man down. And then that's when those uh, those receivers and tight ends are going to start getting open for Lamar Jackson. And uh, that defense is just going to, I honestly, I like Joe Burrows, but he's not going to be in a hang with this Baltimore defense. Yeah, no, not just to mention a few. First of all, Marlon Humphrey just got the bag from Baltimore. Absolutely. Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, Matthew Judon. I mean, Patrick Queen, the list goes on and on. CJ, oh, not CJ Mills anymore, but Patrick Queen. It's going to be a tough, tough, tough day for Joe Barlow, I think. Next game on the docket here, the Panthers and the Falcons, which is a super interesting game, I think. And I'm really going back and forth in my head on which team I should have picked. I've been thinking about it all weekend. I'm going to have to go with the Panthers here. And just because I think that they defense. Had one, they had one good game. Two good games without McCaffrey. Two. They're 2-0 without McCaffrey. I'm going to say that. But I think the Falcons defense is struggling so much to the point where I think Carolina edges them out in a very low-scoring affair. Uh, I'm going with the Falcons. I think the Falcons are going to pull one out this week uh, just because uh, Panthers are probably going to come in on a high note. They're 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 going to come in a high note, probably take them for granted because of you know they you know the word the word that's been going on around in the uh, in the NFL with the Falcons and their defense. But I think the defense is I think the Falcons is going to prove them wrong, come out there and uh, show a little bit more. Uh, Julio Jones is going to be a, another week healthier. Uh, you know that's not good to that that's historically not good for the Panthers as well. You know just off of the the history of Joe out of any of Julio Jones. Moss and <laughs> Panthers uh, yeah. cornerbacks out there. So I'm definitely going with the Falcons. The Dolphins and the 49ers to start the 4 o'clock slate here. It's going to be the 49ers because Jimmy Garoppolo and Raheem Mostert are both back at practice. But if they're not, I could see Miami making it a football game. But I still think regardless of circumstance, the Niners take the W here. Yeah, I definitely think it'll be a game. Um, it won't be as close as you think it will be because – because you still have uh, Kittles that's still out there, um, and he's having a, he just had a phenomenal game. It's only going to get better the next week, so I'm definitely going with the Niners, whether whether uh, Raheem Mostert and uh, Garoppolo play or not. Okay, the Broncos and the Patriots, which I will remind you, I said it earlier, got flexed from one o'clock to four twenty-five here to show off Cam Newton, who's not going to play in the football game, to show off Drew Locke, who's not going to play in the football game. It was kind of a tough flex by the NFL here. I'm still going with the New England Patriots because I am praying, and I think Bill Belichick will do it, will start Jared Stidham against the Broncos on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon. I just think they have more talent overall across the board. I'm going with the Patriots. Oh, man, if they start Stidham and not let Cam play, 
I don't know. That's a hard. That's a hard one for me. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's a hard one because Denver can still. Denver is still a scrappy team. You know, it's a little boring at times, but they're still a scrappy team. So, I don't know. I might. I'm, uh, let's go with the Patriots, man. Let's just go on the safe side. Let's see what they do. Uh, hopefully, Stidham might. You know, might prove me wrong. The Giants and the Cowboys at 425 here. It's going to be the Cowboys. They get a much-needed victory, a much-needed division victory, I might add. And Dak Prescott throws, I think, probably for 400 yards again. Absolutely. I'm definitely going with the Cowboys. Cowboys are going to run over this team. And it's sad to say that, but it's true. Definitely. The Colts and the Browns here, both 3-1, and one, I might add. But... Oh, this is so hard because Phillip Rivers is playing average football. The Browns defense stifled the Cowboys offense, which is impressive in itself. I'm going to have to go with Cleveland here, but I'm praying Baker Mayfield doesn't mess it up for me. And I think he actually might because of how much shit I talk about him. I think he probably hears me in his head, uh, but I'm, I'm going to go with the Browns here. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm going with the Browns as well. Uh, Indy, uh, you know, they're just not, they're just not, all, they're just not there. Um, the offense is bad. The defense is bad. Uh, only thing they got going for them is special teams, but that's not going to be enough to win for us. So well, they, they, they got Jonathan Taylor. He, he's playing pretty good football. Like I said, I'm going with the Browns uh, to win this game to be uh, uh, not not a high-scoring game, but uh, we'll definitely get, they'll definitely get a win for sure. The, the Vikings and the Seahawks, which should be which should have been a good football game before the season started, but the way that Kirk Cousins has played so far makes it a no-brainer decision for me. Russell Wilson comes back into MVP uh, fashion here and pulls out a iconic W against Minnesota. Yeah, I feel you as well. I think Seahawks will win this game, but I won't think it's going to be a wash as you think it would be because the Vikings is showing a lot of promise uh, with their passing. You know, as long as they can just keep the you know keep their quarterback upright and clean, um, he's gonna he's gonna make some throws, and those and those wide receivers is gonna make uh, make those catches and and get in the end zone. And especially with Seattle's defense, uh, pass defense not being uh, that good right now. Well, we'll see if Jamal. I'm definitely going with Seattle. We'll see if Jamal Adams is back healthy too. So we have to wait for on that injury we'll report as well. That, that's the hard part about predicting these games, guys, because we record so early in the week. We don't get that last minute injury report, so it's hard for yeah. us to get these picks. It's easy for the guys on Fox and CBS because they pick right after the injury report's done, um, mm-hmm. and gives them a better picture here. But we have, honestly. I put our records up against some of the best in the business right now. I think we have a pretty good record combined so far. That's all I'm going to say. pretty good right now. I know that. Yeah. Anyway, the Chargers and the Saints for the Monday Night Football here. A great football game to watch as a fan. Justin Herbert's playing great football here. But I think a similar fate awaits him. That has awaited him the past couple games here. Drew Brees pulls out a W on Monday Night Football. Um. I believe you on that. I'm going with the Saints as well. I think the, I think the Saints is just uh, you know well-oiled machine right now. Um, that's only you know that just has a couple chinks in their in their armor. Uh, you know with with a couple defensive players like uh, like uh, Lattimore out and and, and Jenkins out. Uh, hopefully they can come at least Jenkins can come back before this game starts and uh, help out with you know help out with these receivers that uh, Herbert has. Uh, you know, of course, Allen, you know, Allen, uh, Keenan Allen's going to have a great game. Uh, but overall, I feel like if they can just stop, you know, stop the, stop the run game overall, 
they'll have a great they'll have a great chance of winning this game. So I'm picking the Saints. And not to mention Austin Eckler is injured, and I don't think he's doubtful to play in this football game. Too. That kind of, that takes a very big stab into that offensive attack for the Chargers here. I actually got a question. Which 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 running back for the Chargers you think will have the better game this week? Well, Eckler's out, so who are you giving me? Well, you have Kelly and what's the other guy's name? Um, number twenty, number twenty, twenty-two. I keep on forgetting his name. Look it up. <clears throat> yeah, look it up. But you can tell, you can tell me afterwards. But I definitely want to know who's going to. Well, to be very honest with you, I I don't have a lot of familiarity with the depth in that um in that backfield here. But let me just check up on you real quick. Yeah, uh, you're talking about uh, Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, those two. Yes, there you go. Okay, so Justin Jackson, I, I've heard of before. I've watched his film. He's a, he's a strong runner, a decisive runner. Doesn't really show you a lot in the open field, though. And, jo- and, and Joshua Kelly gives you something different as well. I'm going to go with Kelly just based off experience, but that, that's just that's the bottom line here for me. But honestly, I don't think it will really matter because without a, a solid run game behind Justin Herbert, they're just going to blitz the shit out of him and see if they get, the rookie can handle it. So I'm very yeah. interested to see if he can get the ball off in time against this uh, you know, pretty talented Saints defense. So I guess we'll have to wait and find out here. I hear you. I hear you. And week five is in the books for Stafford and Matthews. Mark those picks down. We'll give you an overall pick update between me and Chris when the uh, next show here. We don't have the numbers in front of us right now because our producer is winning. Behind. Hey, it's pretty damn close. I came <laughs> back on you a little bit. I think I'm like two games behind or something like that. I'll double check here. But before we end here, a special shout out to our sponsor, BostonsBig3.com. Our shop is live with none other than the one and only Chris Matthews' own personal line, CM13. Let them hear it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and finally out here making, you know, making, making great contributions to the world, you know, allowing people to <laughs> see my insight on how good of clothing that we have uh, going out there in production for both of us. Honestly, you know, yep. both, of ours, both of ours is looking amazing. But if anything, if anything, you will want to go support us and allow us to get a, 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 a job that will pay us a lot more and we will have a lot more fun with. And that's going out there to be the president or the CEO of the Jets. So please look out for those hats and uh, make sure you support us. Yeah, and even outside the CM13 line, we have that Stafford and Matthews for Jets president and, uh, and GM shirts up there, Absolutely. too. This hoodie's available. It's everything. Actually, speaking of which, show off some of these merch here. We have this Love Cam Newton hoodie that looks really, really good right now. Look at that material, that quality right there. And not to mention, we got pull it out right here. Hope. Ooh. We got that Cam Newton Obama poster right there. Hey, Cam, hey, Cam is... Cam is coughing for happiness right now. <laughs> Shout out to our producer, Brendan Watab, who actually developed the design, the Hope t-shirt for Cam Newton. Check it out. It's all on bossesbig3.com slash shop. Check it out. And that wraps up Stafford and Matthews for week number five, episode number five. Crazy how fast the season is going so far. Chris, to give an update on some of the, for our audience here, we're supposed to have Tyler Lockett and to announce it right here, right now, Jermaine Curse on recently retired Seahawks legend on the podcast in the next couple of weeks as well. Chris, want to give him an update on when that timetable should be? Yeah, we should be getting them. Up, we should get them up here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, Seahawks. You know, they're they're pretty they're pretty stickler. They're real sticklers on uh, injury reports. You know, having uh, players talking on the uh, 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 with with uh, you know the media at this time. But um, you know, once he gets healthy, and I'm pretty sure he's gonna he's gonna be back in full spring pretty soon. Uh, we, we can get him out there, and uh, especially Jermaine. Jermaine Curse, somebody who's had an, uh, 
an amazing career, definitely, and actually played for the Jets and showed them life when they actually allowed him to get the ball in place. So uh, we'll check that out and celebrate him in his career and, you know, give him his roses as he, while he's still here on earth. And I'm looking forward. One thing, Chris, I want one thing from, from Jermaine Kirks to, on his next episode here to officially endorse Stafford and Matthews for Jets president and CEO. I cannot wait for that endorsement. I'm going to put that all over my social media. He got the numbers. I'm about to say, to he has receipts. He got receipts like he knows what to do. So I'm, that's all I'm going to say here. Stafford and Matthews. Jimmy, wave hi. Yo, what's up, man? Happy birthday, bro. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Jimmy, the roommate with the wine <laughs> bottle in the background here. Stafford and Matthews, episode five. We'll see you guys next week.